Here's what happened on the most recent episode of the Let's Go Eat Show Double Shot. I sound like I've been drinking, don't, don't I? I don't really drink that much. I just do it. I just drink constantly. Axe body spray. High five, bro. Who's going to want to listen to this? People are going to love it. To listen to this episode and help support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash let's go eat show. Thank you. It's all about the politics on this week's Let's Go Eat Show. Hi, I'm Bill Allred, and I'm one-on-one with Salt Lake County Councilwoman Jenny Wilson. Uh, She's running for Senate seat that's being at long last vacated by Orrin Hatch. It's going to be a tough fight for Wilson, and she knows it. Now, she'll have to either beat uh, Kennedy or Romney, and then she'll have to convince Utah voters that it's okay to have a senator who's a woman and, oh my God, a Democrat. That's right, a Democrat. But I think you'll agree she would make a damn good senator. So have a listen and get to know a smart and politically savvy woman on this edition of the Let's Go Eat show. Oh, oh, and uh, would you do me a favor? Uh, Tell some friends about this podcast. I mean, will you? Oh, and while you're at it, uh, give us a good rating on iTunes. That that'd help, too. Okay. All right. That's it. Here it is. Jenny Wilson. See if we're rolling. Yes, indeed, we are. Uh, all right, pleased to welcome to these microphones Jenny Wilson, Democratic candidate for Senate in the state of Utah. Uh, where to uh, where to start? I you know some I mean, some people would say why does a Democrat want to run for anything in Utah? Hi, Jenny. Well, good morning. Why why do you want to run for anything in Utah? And you have run successfully for several things. You've been a ca- uh, Salt Lake County Council person at large for you've been elected twice to that that post uh now you're running for senate but why do you want to run for anything it seems like a total pain in the ass to me well campaigns aren't easy but i get my reward every day when i meet with people and i learn something and i'm reintroduced to someone or meet somebody new who's doing something in the community so that's my reward my objective is uh, i think we need a voice in the u.s senate and we needed a voice at the time on the salt lake county council for people in the community that don't look and feel and and aren't you know the majority what's what's happened to the state of utah why we used to have some democratic representation in the state uh we had a democratic governor for a while although scott scott matheson was pretty conservative but he was a democrat your your dad a democrat uh ran successfully for he was the mayor of salt lake for what three four terms yeah three terms yeah Yeah. three terms uh we had we have had uh jim matheson democratic congressman we had gun mckay years ago democrat so there was always a few democrats in there and now it just seems like we've just shifted so far to the right why why do you think that's happened well i think you go back to uh the national movement where the christian conservative movement aligned with the economic arm of the republican party and they became stronger and then there was a dialogue that came out of the you know the the reagan era into the post reagan era that i think further created the divide and unfortunately the democratic brand especially outside of salt lake county is not very good so I think we have to do more within the party. I'm not sure this last election helped us, but yeah. I think we are revisiting. And the Trump presidency, I think, actually is very helpful to the Democratic brand right now. I hope so. You you are really smart. I never. I mean, I'm. We've met and just, but mm-hmm. it's always been kind of just like, hi, how you doing? Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, this in and a that. green room here yeah. and there. We yeah. were on a show together. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but this is that's, I'd not I'd not really known that. I mean, it, I never put that together that. 
the evangelical and the conservative Christians aligned with Republicans because of and the economic, and that's yeah. what did it. And it and, did, and I think it really hurt. And the LDS um, Church went along with, yeah. the, well, not the church, but, but members the, of member, the church. Yeah. yeah, and and I think also when you look at um, movements, I, I think that the civil rights movement was, um, you know, somewhat bipartisan. I mean, I think there were people who very clearly um, were activists, maybe that fell further on the um, side, especially when you looked at the African-American movement um, around that. And then you look at um, other movements that tend to be more democratic, because um, when you you look at you know democrat we, we believe in innovation and change and serving all mm-hmm. and i think you look at um some of you know the equal rights movement and you look at the lgbtq move i mean these movements have uh, largely been democratic mm-hmm. but at the same time i think um there are also v- some very fundamental principles that the democrats adhere to and have over the years that and those are the reasons i align with them fairness compassion the worker those are uh, my values and um proudly my values and you know i'm not going to run for my brand i i don't think also that um you know you have to pick your club you don't run as an independent your tribe yeah Mm -hmm. and you know i align more often with the democratic party but there are many issues and principles of the republican party that i would align with too so i'm always asked well where do you fall in the political spectrum and my answer is always well give me an issue and i'll tell you it's uh, it is interesting um that uh, And it must be frustrating to you and other Democrats when you know that the very foundation of the Democratic Party, most of the principles that they stand for, uh, the working man Mm -hmm. uh, and women and women. And uh, and then you see people, those very people that you want to champion, uh, that you think you are the voice of being conservative and saying, well, I'm going to vote for Republicans. That's what I do. They vote for the people who are not in their best interests the people who are be more beholden to corporate money and i mean d- democrats get money from from uh, big millionaires and you know george soros and corporations and all of that too but but it seems to me that republicans legislate more often in favor of those and not in favor of just the ordinary man or woman yeah and i think my candidacy is about the voice of the ordinary person i mean i did not agree with uh the the republicans approach on the tax bill i still don't um we may get a few dollars this is nationally this is nationally yeah. mm-hmm. and um i look at you know they're the very wealthy did well corporations did well let's hope they're passing on um some increase salary and benefits downward i mean we did the little tricky hey it's the holidays let's give you an additional thousand dollars for all of those corporations many of them that uh, were beneficiaries of that tax relief um i one of the more conservative principles uh that i adhere to is this idea that the federal government is bloated we can reform it and change it and that deficits matter and debt matters so when we just uh one stroke of the pen added 1.5 trillion to our national debt that's a problem it's It's a a, a big problem it is fascinating too that uh and i didn't hear the democrats on the national scene say this loudly enough i think we tried this we tried trickle down economics with reagan and it didn't work why are we doing it again yeah why are we doing this again it didn't work yeah. And that you could give example after example of how it did not help the, the, the ordinary person. 
and yet we did it again. Yeah. Well, I've been using uh, a phrase as I go out and speak. Seven twenty-five does not provide a minimum wage of seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Cannot you know feed two children? We we will then rely on other government programs if we're going to keep the wage as low as it is. So the federal government has to come up with action and um, and come up with a new strategy to to create wealth for people who are working. And, you know, I'm a working mom, and I look at the flexibility I have in my career as an elected official to go to my kids' baseball games and to say, hey, you know, I need mm-hmm. three hours right now. And I look at, um, you know, I used to work in, for the University of Utah Network, and some of the women and men who are opening up our um, window to check people in to go to their doctors at 8 a.m. didn't have the flexibility in the afternoon um, to go to those kids' games. And, you know, I think that we need to be more innovative at the federal level to create a better platform for people. We've done some things in the past, like um, coming up with... um, Policies that uh, create workplace fairness, mm-hmm. uh, policies on home ownership and housing HUD, housing and urban developments programs for building homes. These that, are the things I want to well, work that, on. That was going well until recently. Right. Uh, so, so I'm going to go back to the minimum wage thing that you brought up. Uh, how do you counter the argument that when people say, well, the, the, uh, the guaranteed minimum wage was never meant to be a living wage? That was meant to be something to just, you know, it was for for kids just out of high school. It was meant to, how do you counter that argument? Well, I do think that um, the minimum wage in New York City needs to be different than the minimum wage in, you know, Price, Utah, who's running for people who are running small business. We have a lot of workarounds within federal policies. um, And I think that's where good government at the federal level happens is when you really dig deep and try and figure out how a policy affects all. Mm. And I think there are methods and systems um, to support a community who and a small business. Uh, But I do think we have to recognize and and I wasn't a diehard Bernie Sanders supporter, but a lot of the principles of what he stood for, I think, make a lot of sense. We are seeing a wealth division in this nation that is killing us and it's hurting us in the state of Utah. Um, You know, the rich are getting richer and there are people struggling. And I get frustrated that we continue to hear our governor and um, a lot of our electeds and a couple of my uh, opponents say, this is so great. Utah is so great. Let's mm. bottle it and share it. And in fact, Salt Lake County in this great economy and with um, very high em- employment right now and the tech community um, doing well. And there's areas in our Wasatch Front communities like a, the Ogden area is doing really well with job creation around um, outdoor industries. Those places are doing well. Yeah. But hit the road to Price, Utah, go on down to Moab, head mm-hmm. down to San Juan County or up to Box Elder County. And there are areas where people Struggle, um, yeah. are struggling. Yeah. And job growth is negative job growth. Mm-hmm. And we are really um, trying to make it in these communities. So what I provide in this dialogue going into November and what I would bring to the table as a senator is someone who's aware of that and wants to work to change. And I want the I want the federal government to go back to, as you mentioned a minute ago, the days of the Ted Wilsons working across party lines with Republicans and the Ted Kennedys and the Orrin Hatches coming together for the Children's Health Program and solving problems. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's uh, let's talk about your uh, your uh, growing up. You um, because you see you do know uh, it, it's clear as you speak. You know policy, and you like digging into it whereas a person like me does not you know i, <laughs> yeah, I just you, want the <laughs> you just get to be the curmudgeon who gets on every morning and, and complain bitch or, about it yeah, yeah that's all right. I, that's all i need to do so is you can say the b word i can't <laughs> no that's that's true and you you could on this podcast but yes, you won't but right it's not because it would not be politically advantageous right uh and i don't think you'd say that anyway uh but you grew so you grew up in a household uh where your dad was uh, a, a good politician, a really good politician. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've met Ted and talked to Ted at, uh, at length, and he's been on this podcast, as a matter of fact. And I would say that he also seems to be one of the most genuinely good human beings that I've ever met. Is that is that, in fact, the case? That's the dad you grew up with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my mother, too, and I'll talk about her for a minute. But my dad, he, um, he was always asking as you know he was also he was always weighing in as a public policy maker and a mayor mm-hmm. both sides of the issue um as we as kids would come home and say oh the teacher did this to us and the question was always asked by my parents well what did you do so we had this personal responsibility to to be accountable for ourselves but also to ask how is the other person thinking? And I think that was a gift from both of my parents to be put in a position to say, these are my values, this is what I believe, but what does Bill think? Mm-hmm. And what does John think? And what does Jeanette think? And 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 try, and try. I've tried to bring that in my public life to the table under, the, under my parents' influence to really say, um, how do we mediate through this? Because I'm a person with strong convictions, but I, re- I understand that a constituent or a person or another elected or an official opponent. or an opponent mm-hmm. has, has, a, has a point of view too. Mm-hmm. So how do um, I listen and learn and how do we, uh, how do we form consensus? And that's what we're missing. I, I, I don't think we're missing it in my daily life as a county council member because I just pick up the phone and call my Republican colleague and go, hey, what did you mean? Mm-hmm. And this is what I think. You work well with that. Uh, we work it's, well. Is it mostly Republicans on the uh, council? Five Republicans, four Democrats. Four Democrats, and then the mayor is, yeah, of course, Democrat. I, mm-hmm. I love that in my world, we have a Democratic mayor, and we have Democrats um, elected in senior positions, like our new uh, sheriff, Rosie Rivera. And we have That was Sengil. a bold move, by the way. Yeah. I thought that was pretty- First uh, Latina. And and, woman, and she, first woman chief, right? Yeah. In, certainly in Salt Lake County. And yes. she uh, unified, I guess it's the unified police, is uh-huh. that what they call it? And she oversees our jail. And, and she's been there a long time and yes. knows, she knew the ropes. And she knew so, the ropes. Yeah. There she is. Yeah. Um, we also have Republicans elected to many of our positions, our surveyor, our treasurer, and we work well together. We are the example of a success, I think, at Salt Lake County. We don't do everything perfectly, but we balance our budgets every year. We're at AAA bond rated. Um, I value the accountant-minded conservatives at the table who hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And then I will champion things that I care about in the community and see if we can get consensus. Why, and that's good government. Why can't we? Why, why have we? Do you have, you have an opinion why we've gotten away from that, I know. So what is it? <laughs> Uh, you know, I think the structure of uh, Congress, the leadership positions, how uh, seniority really puts people in the driver's seat. I mean, here's an example. Orrin Hatch on the health care bill 
uh, was the chair of the finance committee. The chair of the education committee had a vision that included a bipartisan consensus, uh, reaching out to Senator Patty Murray, Lamar Alexander, the Republican, and Orrin Hatch said no. I'm king. I'm not going to move anything forward. We're going to a direct up and down vote on the Affordable Care Act repeal. We no are, we're not going to. We're not going to discuss it. We're not going to discuss it. Mm. And I think it's that um, power play. And um, you know, I grew up. I knew Warren Hatch. He defeated my father in 1982 mm-hmm. when I was in high school. I've known him over the years. He's been very kind to me personally. But I had sort of had enough, which was one of the reasons I stepped up to say, hey, I, I've got a different voice in this in this equation, and, and I want to raise it and raise the dialogue. And I did it, for, I was already in the race when that happened, and I was just so frustrated as a constituent to see um, that behavior coming out of Orrin Hatch's office. And I think we need to change, I mean, the first thing I would do, um, or I will do upon my election, is reach out to the Republican delegation, the federal delegation, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, perhaps one of the Democratic candidates could win um, a House seat, uh, Ben McAdams, or another one of our good candidates. Uh, two of us were there, or one of us were there. We're still not going to take over as Democrats. Sure. So I would reach out and say, can we change how we work as a delegation to start working together? Uh, because I represent a lot of people who are not perhaps being represented by a one-party system. Yeah. Then I would also go to the younger senators and to the women in the Senate, and I've gotten to know a few of them, and say, how can we um, create change within this body? And it was interesting. I was watching one of the Sunday shows, um, talk shows, and there were they had on, this is a couple of months ago, I can't remember who they were, but a Republican and a Democrat. And they said one of the things that's happened in the Senate that's led to Um, digging the heels in is that they don't socialize together anymore. Like there aren't breakfast together Mm -hmm. and they go home every weekend and there's not that camaraderie that used to be there where, you know, the Ted Kennedys and the Warren Hatch would form. And so I just think that part of it is just a new generation of leaders coming in, supporting those that are willing to reform and reforming the Senate. Would Jenny Wilson, as a senator senator from the state of Utah, say, well, let's let's I'm going to start hosting a breakfast, a bipartisan breakfast and everybody come to my office and on, on Saturday. Absolutely. You know, we'll have a bipartisan breakfast yeah. and uh, and do stuff like that. There just is not that. It just doesn't happen. And I had a great experience a couple weekends ago. I was invited as a Democratic Senate candidate woman to join five or six other U.S. senators, Democratic women, mm-hmm. to go on a, it was a actually fundraising trip for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee's Women's Forum. And we hit the road together over the course of a day and a half and went to L.A., Seattle, and um, L.A., Seattle, and another city. I can't remember. It was such a whirlwind. Yeah, it sounds... San Francisco. Okay. (laughs) And uh, we had some time together to talk about this very thing. And they're frustrated because we only... They can't move bills forward. Like, you would wonder right now, in this era of um, gun reform, you know, the NRA is hosting Trump today. Um, Why are the Democrats just not saying, let's have a vote for on, on gun reform? And we saw it. I wonder that. It's because the Republicans control what moves. What gets what, what gets brought up or what not. What gets brought up. You can't, you can't even bring it up. No, They'll just can't even bring it. it up. Yeah. So how about we cut a deal where maybe 
three or four bills that are the priority of the Democrats under uh, the Senate when it's under the Senate controls under Mm -hmm. Republicans. And then what if we just cut that deal? What if we start moving federal judges um, and not digging our heels in, even when we don't maybe like them, at least bring the vote forward. Let's vote again. Mm-hmm. Let's compromise again. I'm going to just reach again. over here and adjust your microphone because I want you to talk right so, into the front of it there. All right. But that's good. You, can, you People have, you do have the ten. All Everybody does it. They move away a little bit. <laughs> no uh, problem. So, so um, um, and I think that's, that's a great idea. Uh, and it just does not happen. And we need to get money out too. It's a biggie. Get money out, so much money out of uh, lobby. You mean lobbying? I mean, what you're talking about is draining the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why that's why people (laughs) voted for Donald Trump. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a Trump person. Mm -hmm. No surprise there. He lost me at Grabber by the you know what. Yeah. And I, but I felt that's what we say on Uh, the radio. The party. So yeah, and I'm not going to make excuses for him. Uh, You know, there are some things. If there's a bill that he missed forward, I would agree with. I didn't on the tax bill. Haven't seen much productive moving well there hasn't been much done there hasn't and there's certainly been no swamp draining no there's been swamp filling right i mean really he's and just confusion he's done the opposite of what he said he was going to do and and he rule he seems to rule by chaos Mm -hmm. which i don't think that's any way to run a run a good show no and our institutions and our standing in the world are being degraded by this process so yeah there i i you know it's no there's no there'll be no surprise that i won't be um you know mm-hmm. supporting the trump re-election team yeah. if he's still there i uh, is it uh, i guess probably uh, all the democrats who are running for office uh, now and in two years two years from now uh you all are sort of running against donald trump in a way i mean your opponent will be either um uh, Mitt Romney or Kennedy, Mike Kennedy. Right. Uh, but but you're really, in a way, you're running against Donald Trump. Yeah, but I, what I'm running for is Utah, and I get Utah. So it's a different, uh, you know, I've seen over the years, um, I worked for Bill Orton as the chief of staff. Who's Democrat, Democrat from uh, Utah County? Yeah, yeah. He, he lived in Utah County, but he represented a third of the state, including down to San Juan County. Didn't he pass away very young? Uh, uh, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he died six or so years ago from an ATV rollover, sadly. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I was very close to him, and I was given, at a very young age, the opportunity to run his office mm-hmm. and so you know I, I walked the halls of congress and worked with in our delegation so i get this job um the u.s senate but in any event i really feel that uh you know he did have an impact and that uh there's a different way of doing things but back to the money point okay. we really um need reform we need to um, I think we need to repeal Citizens United, which was the Supreme Court decision that allows for these independent expenditures to flow in unchecked. So corporations are people, yes. too. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it, it is very, you know, I'm running for Utah because I believe that we um, can be Utah-centric in this role and not just um, look at, oh, you know, I, I look back on... Um, Warren Hatch's career, and I I do think he did some good things. Sure, but I think I what I remember is Warren Hatch really priding himself in making sure the right Supreme Court justice was appointed. The one that he saw well, met this conservative point of view. I, I think I, he Warren Hatch should. I won't say what I normally say about it, but I think he should pay dearly in the afterlife 
for what he did to Anita Hill in the Clarence Thomas hearings. Yeah. That was not, it was not kind. It was, it was mean and it was a lie. Well, and you know, that, and I remember over the years, just so much of the focus out of his office being on federal judges and the Supreme Court, which important. And I would Mm -hmm. have a voice in that and I would have something to say. But not for Utah. Yeah, I want to go and figure out how we solve poverty in San Juan County. Mm -hmm. And I've been down there. It's devastating. Nothing's changed since the 90s. You know, I haven't been touring the state as an elected official because I've served Salt Lake County. But I did tour the, the... the regions um, on a regular basis and worked with people when I worked with Orton. And then when my father's campaigns, you know, even when I was quite young and things have not changed. Our tourism economy has picked up and it's affected certain business owners in these communities, but we still don't have, there's still homes without running water in the state of Utah Mm -hmm. in San Juan County. There's still people um, in our counties that are um, reliant upon wood burning stoves to heat their homes. We still have very devastating concerns about and and it and the more stressed we all are the worse it gets in terms of domestic violence and substance abuse and i've been working on the opioid crisis in fact i was a couple minutes late because we were holding our monthly meeting on a committee that i co-chair um with another republican on my council on the opioid crisis and we had somebody from the um department of um Drug Enforcement Agency, rather, and our sheriffs, the DEA DEA was Mm -hmm. there, and our health department was there who do education campaigns, and our substance abuse people at Salt Lake County. We are working on this issue, and um, it's very important that the federal government continue to fund the opioid crisis, because in our state, we've been able to expand treatment, and we kind of looked at each other and said, we need to advocate to assure that the Trump administration continues to put money in in the next coming years, or a lot of the expansion we've been able um, to increase or, mm. or we've been able to pull in from various levels of government under the federal government will dry up. And that's a problem. I'm going to help you help you a little bit craft your message or maybe you already know this. I think you cannot repeat enough. And when anybody says, and I thought it was very good what you said, uh, well, what do you think about running against so-and-so or what running against? I'm not running against anything. Right. I'm running I'm for running for Utah. For the people of Utah and for the state of Utah. Absolutely. I think that's a really that's really strong, I think, to say that and say say it loud and say it over and over. But let, let's talk about opponents in this race. Um, first of all, what do you make of the fact that Mitt Romney was forced into a primary with this Mike Kennedy guy, who I don't know a lot about, and and what does that uh, what do you what what effect does that have on your campaign for Senate? Well, it's interesting. Um, I first of all, I want to say I worked with Mitt Romney at the Olympic Games. I was a director of uh, the volunteer program. Mm-hmm. There were three or four of us who had a piece of the volunteer program, so I was on staff working with Mitt Romney for over two years, going closely? into the games mm-hmm. pretty closely. Yeah, my boss was a direct report to him. What was he like? Um, he was a nice guy, and he was a good leader for that mm-hmm. initiative. We didn't talk politics. I made an assumption that he was a progressive Republican at the time, and I don't know that I ever really had a political conversation. 
conversation with him. I didn't have a lot of time to sit down and talk about, you know, the debates with Ted Kennedy back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think he did a good job. And I think um, really 26,000 of us stepped up um, Mm -hmm. in state, out of state to to serve as the temporary workforce for those games. And I'm proud of what I did to help um, empower them and have them the right people in the right positions. And um, my team put together the the goodie bags and the new skin product Mm -hmm. and all the chapstick and Mm -hmm. the reward program. And we were involved with retention. And um, so I think we had this incredible group of people from in-state, out-of-state. It was the best mix. Um, Some international people who had worked at previous games, some people who had come from Atlanta, and then these kind of Utahns like Mm -hmm. myself who had something to offer. Uh, And I I enjoyed my association with Mitt. So when he left to run um, for governor of Massachusetts as what I consider to be a progressive Republican at the time, I started cheering him on and sort of watching. I mean, I went into other things. I had kids and Mm -hmm. was doing my own thing, ran for office, county council. Uh, but I sort of my sort of alliance with Mitt fell out a little bit on the presidential race because he ended up supporting some positions um, pretty far to the right that I didn't agree with. It was it's interesting that uh, when he was governor of Massachusetts and you say he was a progressive Republican, uh, he was I mean, he passed affordable, he the unaffordable health care act and. Right in Massachusetts, so he passed Obamacare. It was Mitt. It was, it was Romney Care. It was Romney Care, in, which became Obamacare based on the same principles, pretty much the same the requirement yeah. that's now been repealed. Yeah, yes. pretty much the same. And yet, when he runs for president, because the sense is out there that's not politically uh, advantageous. He starts t- speaking right. against it. Well, I think his first presidential run, he felt like he needed to court the um, evangelicals. So my point with Mitt now is, do I like Ann and Mitt Romney? Very much so. Do, do they have a place in the community? Absolutely. I don't think this is the best fit for Mitt Romney. Because again, I believe now to change Washington, we need a new generation of leaders from their states who step up and fight for their states. Uh, me, and that's uh, a difference between me and Mitt. Yeah, let me let me just ask you the question again, though. What do you make of the fact that he has oh, to go sure. to a primary? Yeah, I, yeah I'm sort good of, point. And I just I think I think I know, but I think it would be more useful for you to talk about that a little bit because you know more about policy and the inner workings of politics than I do. Well, we were watching it certainly. I mean, there's been a big um, division within the Republican Party. And I think I align very well with Republicans who believe government needs to be reformed, but believe in government. There are many that don't. So I see the Republican Party from my lens. I don't go to their conventions. I don't, you know, I I work with Republicans, but I'm not deeply Mm -hmm. embedded in Republican politics, obviously. But from what I see is that there are many Republicans who want to, you know, abolish the federal government, who just want it to go away, who want to just states' rights, we don't need the federal government. Give us back our land. Give us back our, right. Give us back the land we stole from the Indians and then stay out of our state. <laughs> <laughs> so in any event, we... I think we saw that division of the party with another division of the party battling it out at this convention. And But what's interesting is... Mitt himself doesn't know where he's going to land. He's acted, um, I think, fairly in an irresponsible way by not answering the question, are you with Trump or not? Are you um, for the assault weapon ban, which you signed into law as a governor proudly mm-hmm. of Massachusetts? And, you know, I don't know if Mitt's at the NRA convention today, but he's aligned himself with them recently. So I would just ask, who is the real Mitt Romney? And what is he going to bring to the table for us? Because I'll answer your question on any issue, and I know where I stand. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I know that I want to fight for this state because I love it. I love the land. I love the people. I chose to live here, having lived away briefly. And I'm raising my kids here. And, um, you know, I was born here and I'm going to be buried here. And that's what I bring to the table as someone who wants to get to that Senate, forge coalitions across party lines and get something done again. Uh, Mitt Romney has been called a carpetbagger. <laughs> and and that I mean that which means you know he just he'll go to a, he just came to Utah because he thought he could win a Senate seat here and that's why he came here and bought a home and stayed here. Um, is that is that accurate? I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to ask him. I I don't know. I mean, you don't what, know his heart. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know his heart, and I don't know really where he stands politically. It's it's a true. It's true. I'm not just saying that because I'm a, maybe meeting him in a month or so, month and a half. I don't know where mm-hmm. if he's a conservative, if he's a progressive, if he. I really don't know. So that concerns me because there has been. Um, there's been flip-flopping on his positions. And and um, maybe he will define it throughout the course of the conversation in this campaign. Um, I do think it's interesting with, um, you know, the, the right wing of the party coalescing around Mike Kennedy. I don't know what their turnout will be. I don't know what the dialogue will be. Um, Does it affect your campaign at all? Well, it, I have a few months to organize. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had started early in this race when Orrin Hatch was the candidate. I didn't know if it would be an open seat or Orrin Hatch, but I yeah. knew that this was a year of change and I knew I was frustrated, which is why I stepped up. Do you, do you have and, a preference of who you would run against, want to run against? Uh, well, sadly, I think getting my message out would be more effective. I think I have more an opportunity to persuade people of my um, the, the message that I bring if it's Mike Kennedy, just because he's not as well known. Mm-hmm. I think because Romney lived here, he ran two presidential races. I have a better opportunity, I would guess, yeah. under Mike Kennedy. But I don't know. And it's one day at a time. And I really appreciate you putting me on your show and others who have given me an opportunity to just say, I think w- in this state, you know, throw a, de- throw a Democrat into the delegation who can bring the other side forward and let's get something done. Did, um, this is a move um, uh, kids stepping up, particularly after the shooting in Florida, and kids are start young people. I shouldn't say kids, but younger young people, people yeah. 16, 17, and then the eighteen year olds can vote, uh, and they're stepping up. And uh, I read just a terrific editorial in the uh, New York Times uh, uh, some time ago, right after this happened, and and this wave of young people coming forward. And the the thrust of the editorial was, "Come on, millennials." Go ahead. We're done. We're old. Get rid of us. Wash us away and do something new. What do you think about that? I think that editorial is right. And what I bring to the table is I'm this bridge generation. I'm 52 years old. I grew up here in the 60s and 70s with my dad as the mayor. Um, one day following dad around, and he pointed out the other day, I was one of the one of the five kids who wanted to go with him to everything, mm-hmm. which maybe leads to my choice of career, um, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I remember as a child, you know, one day it was going down to a food bank and, um, 
you know, kind of learning as a kid with, we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a public employee. My mom owned a small business, but I think I clearly had privilege Mm -hmm. being the daughter of going down and kind of witnessing children um, who had need. Um, I remember going with my dad to some Eldegesh church related um, banquets and experiencing that. I remember going out in the community to um, restaurants and just d- experiencing the diversity of our community and traveling statewide. Um, we went to a turkey farm. I don't even know what county that was in. And then we'd it's go down to Sand Peak. Yeah, maybe so. Moroni and, or oh, good to know. Like that. Yeah. That. Maybe I should go tour it if it's yeah. still up and running. Oh, there's a lot of turkey farms up there in oh. San Pete County, Morona. So Norbest is a Utah company, you know. Oh, see, look, you're educating me this morning. Norbest let's, turkey farms. Hey, Ollie, let's head up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, you're ready, right? Yeah, ready? Write it down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I went to Geneva Still when it was mm-hmm. down in Utah County and had these great experiences. And now I'm off on a tangent. I don't know <laughs> what my point was, but um, it, it was a very rich opportunity young people to get coming oh young people coming yeah. so that was my lens and now you know the Orrin Hatch years and being a part of Washington in the 90s but I look at my own children um who are you know turning 13 next month and turning mm. 16 next week and their generation and I really feel like I I'm sort of in the middle I can see the bookends and I can I have a um a lens towards the past and what we did well in this state back in my father's era and those early experiences I had. But I can also see the future and I understand technology. My husband runs a technology company and I'm really inspired by what we are as a state in the future, not just the past. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm fighting for. So the youth movement it feels very different. Your average Utah kid is different than in my era and certainly different than in my father and mother's era. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited about their energy. Um, you know, my growing up in high school was the Reagan era. We were not at war. Um, I remember very much um, the late 80s around the time of my graduation or the mid 80s, the recession and how it impacted all of us who wanted to get a job and we couldn't get a job. And I know I had friends who were helping support their families and our family was on a very limited budget, really relying on my mother's work with her small business. And I think that um, every generation is influenced by what's happening. And I went to my son's um, school dance concert, which is middle school and high school, and it was very political. I expected the dancers of the 80s when I last went to the East High it Dance concert. It was political concert. in what so way? Very political. The kids chose, and the the student advisors um, fostered this because it was their choice to do dance through the ages. And they had a lot of, the current dances were about protest and about having a voice and about affecting political change. So yes, I'm excited to see how the tools of this next generation, technology, communication, breaking down walls internationally. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it can have an effect, you know, so my generation was, you know, we we uh, protested the, the war in Vietnam and, and uh, I think that had a lot to do with it finally ending. Yes. Um, and it was the generation of young people who stepped up and said, hell no, we won't go. We're not going to do this. We don't want the war. This is awful. Um, and um, 
And I also, um, this maybe segues us a little bit, but I watched um, the Post the other night and um, the Washington Post and the New York Times efforts to uh, use their role to um, let everybody know what was really going on through the release of the Pentagon Papers. Right. And so youth, news media, Mm -hmm. we are a nation that's reliant on each of our um, vital institutions to be a success and we're, we're struggling in some areas as a nation and um, education's one of them but I look at the role of a, a youth movement um, disclosure through the media a, a free press um, institutions like the CIA and the FBI that serve us in such a vital way a, a good relationship between the houses um, between our executive branch and our um, judicial branch and our um, legislative branch, and 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 how we're just so paralyzed right now, and I, it makes me um, frustrated, and it gives me a voice right now for change. I've had uh, 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 co- uh, discussions or arguments even with people about the so-called deep state, and the fact they, that they feel that the CIA and the FBI are corrupt and trying to overthrow the the presidency and and run government, and uh, and I and I try to talk to these people and say, <clears throat> you know, back when I again when I was a younger person, we did not trust the CIA or the FBI for good reason. They were awful. They they did uh, the CIA did covert operations that uh, led to the assassination of, uh, of the duly elected president of Chile, for instance. Uh, the FBI, run by Hoover, was uh, was a, his fiefdom, and he uh, used it to to hurt the people that he didn't like politically, and he let presidents uh, he he let presidents use him to hurt people, and that they were corrupt, but they have been reformed. That is no longer the case. When people saw that happening, they, you know, and people in, in, in the United States Congress did it. They said, wait a minute. Frank Church said, wait a minute. We're not going to put up. We can't put up with this. We're reforming them. And they, those organizations are pretty clean now, I think, and run cleanly. And so I don't get it. I don't get why people are say that it's the deep state and they're trying to overthrow the presidency. That's just crazy. Crazy. And that's funny. <laughs> um, yes. And I again, if we have a free press and we continue yeah. to, I mean, we've got to fight for that as citizens because it's that the the world, the twenty four news cycle, um, the the conglomerates owning papers now. I mean, we have some. I have some concerns. Um, so we have to fight for that. We have to fight for a healthy debate between Congress and the presidency. And you know, there was a time where um, you know I look at the actions of a John McCain recently, Lindsey Graham initially stepping up and keeping Trump in check. Those are really important moments. What what is interesting to me is that when the tax bill passed all of the president's critics all of a sudden stood in line and it's sad that like john mccain says well now i'm not now i'm i'm not going to run again and i'm nearing the end of my life now i can say what i really think about isn't that telling or uh uh, what's his name in arizona the other guy um the the uh, the mormon uh senator who who stepped down i can't think of his name right now he's not harry reed no 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 um arizona he's not running Hmm. I can't think of his name, but anyway. Oh, this, okay. He, he, oh, I know who you mean. I'm Jeff Flake. Flake, yeah. yeah. In Arizona, Jeff Flake. Yeah. So he says, now he says, 
because I'm not running anymore, I'll speak my yes. mind. That's yes. crazy. Back to reforming the institution. <laughs> I've got to think there are a few people there that re- recognize that's crazy. And that we, And the thing is, I, I've, I've had to recognize as I've been on this journey for a year as a candidate for the United States Senate. I'm going to say it like I think it. If you don't elect me, I go home to a great job on the Salt Lake County Council, a little more rest, and I get to go to more sporting events Mm -hmm. with my kids Mm -hmm. and have a great life. I am fine not being in the U.S. Senate. This is an opportunity, I think, to have somebody who's pretty tough, who's going to speak her mind, who's going to speak on behalf of the state of Utah. I'll also say I may be a one-term senator if I'm elected (laughs) because I'm not going to play that game. Mm. I mean, I would rather... um, serve six years well than 12 years being you know uh, mm-hmm. lukewarm yeah. on everything should, should there be uh, should there be term limits you know i was asked that the other day and i it's the one position i don't know that i've completely come to that point because i think if we can reform congress if you've got a third term or whatever would be i do think the fourth term fit there so generally i'm in favor of term limits i don't know um i'm i'm the type of person who's done enough policy work that i don't want to lock myself into a position until i really have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to work through it all but i'm going to roll out a reform package related to how we can move money out of the system i believe in public financing of campaigns if we can find 1.5 trillion for a corporate giveaway, we certainly can find a little bit of money to um, give to candidates who are viable, who have measures of success, so that we can have um, some broadcast and some other means for communication of messaging mm-hmm. unfiltered. Um, so we get the CNBCs and the Fox Newses out of the equation, and we actually give people an opportunity to speak directly to voters. Um, Representative Chris Stewart. Uh, Republican here, Utah. Was he a second termer, third termer? I think more like a third or even. Um, He's he's my congressman. And he's mine as well. Yes. So anyway, he uh, uh, just recently, this this week, I think, had a very noisy town hall meeting. Uh, People yelling at him. People saying, you know, what are you? You're not doing your job. What about the President Trump is awful? Uh, you're, you know, just giving him just a raft of, 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 of crazy. And uh, what? I how, how do you how do you gauge that and judge that? I don't know if they were were they coming from the right or the left or all of the above. I well, they they were his constituents. Mm-hmm. It was a town hall meeting. I don't know who they were, but the, you know there was somebody who said that tax package. I haven't seen any benefit from it. Uh, there were people talk and people talking about the 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 chaos that's in the presidency right now. And uh, um, Chris Stewart saying, well, you can't impeach a president just because you don't like him. You can't impeach, a, I think he even said though, you can't impeach a president for lying. I think mm-hmm. I heard him say that, mm-hmm. and that's that's absolutely not true. That's you not can, true. But, I, uh, but I mean, they, they almost wouldn't let him speak at, according yeah. to the accounts they, at one point he almost left. He said, I, if. Uh, yeah, so. People are frustrated. And I think rightly so. And uh, it's so it's still frustrating for me at times because um, 
you know, there's probably nobody more engaged in the federal government right now than me. So I recognize I'm the one that, <laughs> that would be. I mean, I get up and I talk every day about and look at how we can change things. But the average constituent and the average voter and the average resident of the state is frustrated, too. So I, I think people so I, I do have some level of frustration that people were, oh, I'm going to get tax relief and didn't dig deeper. But I think people are now starting to recognize that they're not, you know, they're going to get a limited amount of tax relief for eight years, but there's a cost per family on the amount of additional debt that the nation takes on. We pay for that. Either we lose services or our borrowing capacity as a nation is more limited by additional debt. It's like the same issue with our credit card bill. So if we're going to have a credit card bill we're carrying on, we can do less as a family because our payment goes out the door. It's bigger, you know, every month to pay down that credit card. We're doing the same thing with that bill. So I I didn't for a minute... um, Think I, I mean I spoke out against it. I will continue to, and I will continue to educate that this is the a very bad thing, unless you are incredibly wealthy, like Romney level wealthy, or you're a corporation. And I think there was a need for some corporate restructuring. There's I mean corporations, um, you know, if they're good citizen partners, not all are. Then um, we need to be more competitive. There's an international factor to our world economy right now as it relates to advantages and how corporations are, um, you know, making a pro- there's some things there that perhaps, you know, the rates could could support our driver, but but only if they're returning it to us as citizens and workers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, as you, you have a lot of conversations with people, I do too, that are just saying, I can't do more. I get up every day. Um, you know, I take the bus to work. I drop my kids at daycare. The daycare bill is killing me. You I mean, take the bus to work? You no, don't. No, I'm just oh, saying I'm just hearing those general, stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of people who yeah. are just one step away from mm-hmm. just being spent. Oh, and it, and we need to. Ha- it can easily happen. Yeah, step and away it does. from bankruptcy and yeah, it does. And being on the street. Yeah, we see, we see them all over Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this question and see if you can answer it differently than most people do. Ooh, all politicians, <laughs> all politicians say they're tired of business as usual in Washington, and a vote for me is a vote for change. How can you say, how can you say that differently? Yeah. Well, what I've learned about public policy, given I do have a toolbox now as an elected, is that nothing is easy. And where and how we make change is because dedicated electeds, whether they're elected to a city council or the United States Senate, listen, engage, problem solve, and don't let it. So, you know, I'm one of 100, as would be Mitt Romney or Mike Kennedy. You know, you're going to have Mike Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, or Senator Romney or Senator Wilson. The voters have a choice. Each of us has a toolbox going in there, one of 100, as the junior senator from Utah. And I think it really is about our collective efforts. So... And, but I think it's also about a vision that comes from one and aligning with partnerships to make change. So I, I don't have the toolbox to, you know, I'm not be, thank goodness we don't have dictators in this country or wait well, a minute. Or do we? Or do we? Yes. We shouldn't. Yeah. But one of a hundred. So I'm going to go in for the state of Utah and fight for our state and find those alliances and find those partnerships. And if it happens to be Chris Stewart, because he gets reelected mm-hmm. and he's doing something that makes sense as I see it, I'll go work with Chris 
Stewart. You, uh, you so know, I think it's just it's you got to be tenacious as a policymaker and understand that um, things don't happen quickly, easily, but you can't give up. You you go so you go you've been going around the state, yeah, campaigning, and you talk to a lot of just or, ordinary people, as you said, and a lot of Republicans. How do they receive you? Well, the question I'm usually asked, which is similar, is what are they saying about Trump? I can tell you no one I have talked to brings up Trump. Actually, that's what I was thinking, and yeah. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. That, th- they're not talking about Trump. They're, they're talking not. about they're the not fact they need jobs. Trump. Oh, no. They're okay. talking about. When, well, and you have to understand, people want to be heard in, in, in rural communities and areas outside of, you know, my county, Salt Lake mm-hmm. County. So when I sit down and I ask people what's up, um, let me tell you a real story. The Smith family. I went and sat with a family of um, three kids, a wife, so four, with the, the spouse, mm-hmm. and a father who's not much older than me, if at all. Uh, and these kids um, want to stay in their county. They're, this was... Um, down in um, Emory County, mm-hmm. they don't want to send. They don't want to pick up and pack their bag and end up in Salt Lake or Vegas or anywhere else. The dad wants him to stay, but there are no jobs down there. So I heard the story from this family of we just need jobs. We don't want a government handout. Help us. Um, and we also know that uh, the tourism economy in Emory County is somewhat reliant on it. It doesn't have good paying jobs. So a kid who was a self-taught computer expert was working construction, this young 20-something mm-hmm. year old. And then the other son wants to be a school teacher because he's been inspired by his teachers um, in his high school in Emory County, yet he's going to have to leave and may or may not be able to come back and get that job. So what I hear is jobs, 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 better wages. I met a woman in Moab who told me that she had moved in from another state working in government. I think it was um, a government job in uh, California, but she chose to move to Moab for the quality of life. She said at one point she worked five jobs. Five in, jobs. In Moab. In Moab. Mm. Because they're not the wages don't pay enough. Well, those small business owners want to provide more. So we have to use the federal government again. I um, mean, I look about I look at World War II, post World War II era where we invested in the community. The beautification projects where we build our highways and filled out a way to, you know, mm-hmm. build in our communities. Investment in infrastructure. Well, any hope in investment in infrastructure is long gone due to one point five trillion that land in in the hands of corporations so but we've got to get back to helping the people in emory county and giving back from the federal government it's commitment to housing we know housing's a big deal we can retool that community for very little and we're not doing it mm. uh, so they these uh, people you sit and talk to them and they're again a lot of conservative republicans uh and you talk and you listen to them talk and then you say some of the things you just said to me how do they receive you? Do they do they go well yeah. I think they're I think I'm being received very well, which is one of the reasons that I can, you know, do this for 18 months is is the connection with people and trying I mean I, to be honest my my biggest frustration is that I don't win. That who's going to tell these stories? To, I mean, if Mitt Romney or Mike Kennedy, the hands-on favorites in this race, whoever comes yeah. out. I mean, I get I'm a Democrat in this state. Can 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 it make me feel that they're going to go and fight for that family? Then then good. I mean, if nothing else in this race, I'm going to get that point across. Don't forget the Smith family. Boy, I sure I sure like you. Have. <laughs> 
talking to you this long. I'm going to ask you one more question. Uh, <laughs> and I, I like you, and I listen to you every morning. So the one thing I have to say before the last yeah. question is that my kids are proud of me, and they like to come to a few things, but nothing I do is cool. And when I told him I was coming on your show to do this, my my 13-year-old's eyes lit up, and he's like, really? So, so hey, you've given Great. me a little street cred with my kids. Well, so that's good, too, because- You're going to get me through the weekend with it's, them. It's nice that you listen, but we, we, we really want those kids to listen more. <laughs> So here's the last question. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this in light of uh, big news today. What's your favorite meat? Uh, what's the news today? <laughs> you okay. know, don't you? No, I've been in an opioid task force meeting, Allie people. Knows. Allie knows. What? Oh, it's hilarious. I thought it was going to be an NRA no, thing. In, 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 no, no, I, the NRA, the hell with those people. I don't. But uh, no, so today, Mitt Romney, there's this big long interview, and it was just one little part of it. And f- for some reason, he said, uh, I don't know if they asked him, or but he said, Well, you know, my favorite meat is a uh, uh, hot dog meat. I really, I mean, steaks are okay, but I really like hot dog meat and hamburger meat. That's my favorite <laughs> hot dog, but not a hot dog. No, he not said a hot dog meat. No, he didn't say a hot dog or well, hot that- dogs, he said hot dog meat. I I just I really hope uh, boy it'll be it would be fun uh, it'll be fun to see you debate I assume that will happen if he's the candidate and um, and then comes the fights with uh, Ali will fight with his staff and oh yeah and they'll oh, be no coming. we want we want four debates and they'll say well no just two and right then then you'll end up oh with yeah three I want or, I want forty. Like, yeah. bring it on. Sure. I mean, let's talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that for so long, politicians have been over-scripted. And I'm not. I mean, I horrify Allie and my staff sometimes. But I'm just like, <laughs> Jenny just shows up and says what she thinks. Yeah. But Uh-oh. that's one of Trump's, like, a back to the populist movement. And people are tired of the Hillary Clinton script. And we yeah. don't need to do that anymore. So I'm not going to be the perfect debater. I don't know everything, but I've got something to say. I always feel kind of sorry for Hillary Clinton in that she's obviously a hugely intelligent human being. Yeah. And yet she just could never quite come off as genuine somehow. Yeah. Uh, well, you it was look hard. at I mean, think about Hillary Clinton. She's been in the public arena forever forever so she wasn't fresh she wasn't new she wasn't the future Mm. i you know i think she would have been a good president frankly but i think that um we're in an era of change and that's not what it wasn't represent it wasn't the change yeah and i think you get you you are the secretary of state we'll think about the infrastructure she was good at that a new york senator Mm. you've got some infrastructure there the wife of the president like nobody you're not getting in your own Mm -hmm. um, volkswagen and driving to the grocery store (laughs) in dc so like she was insulated from reality but i don't think that didn't mean that she didn't have um a caring heart and some very strong abilities Mm -hmm. to move she's a very smart woman very and and but you know i think being being a woman who was not who was not able to be also kind of charming and all that that count that unfairly counted against her unfairly well yeah and i feel i mean we could go on for an entire hour about like being a woman elected official it's not always easy i would bet but damn it, I yeah. I like you. Fifteen percent in our in our state. It's twenty. The twenty percent. Twenty percent women in public on average office. in public office. But we're is at that higher or lower than most states? Do you know? Um, well, so the average. The last time I checked statistics, were twenty percent nationally, and we're at 15, 15 oh, we're, so, so we're, we're lower. lower. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know. But we do well. You need women. to stay in the kitchen and make me some pie. <laughs> Jenny Wilson, uh, thanks for being on the show. Or some meat. I'm still yeah, thinking some... of my favorite meat. <laughs> hot, hot dog meat. Not hot dogs. No hot dogs. Hot, hot dog, dog meat. meat. Hamburger meat. Yeah. I love hamburger <laughs> I'm going to go home and barbecue some hamburger meat tonight. He's a fascinating fellow in certain ways. I can't afford the ticket, so I'm going to be at home making some hamburger meat with my barbecue tonight. Do that. Uh, Best of luck uh, running for Senate. Uh, Maybe we'll have you on again uh, uh, as it gets further into the uh, campaign. And um, really good luck and nice to meet Allie, your uh, handler. What is is Allie's official title? Um, Press secretary, secretary. um, do it all, extraordinaire. We have a lean, amazing staff mm. which like we kicked butt at the convention 80 percent, and it was my team they did an awesome job was it fun did, i mean it was fun and, and so the so the republican convention they went for like nine hours or something and the democrat convention democratic convention here you guys just yeah you start through. off giving 15 speeches to the disability caucus and the african-american caucus mm-hmm. and the healthcare caucus and that's fun because mm-hmm. like it's like speed dating you got 30 seconds to come in and give your pitch to a really? big audience yeah. and then you go to the big show and we had a five minute presentation and then you go vote and yeah we had a great time mm-hmm. didn't we yeah it's fun uh, should should we go to a complete primary system here in I guess the Republicans can do whatever the damn they damn well please because it's their party, yep. or at least that's what they say. Yeah, we just or, go along. Or could down. there be a state law? There could be a state law. The legislature could say, no, we're going to have primaries. Yeah. Couldn't there? Well, I think that's what the referendum is doing. No, I think we yeah. Because you end up getting so few signatures that everyone will go to a primary, and then we don't need conventions. Mm-hmm. I think so, but the signature gathering this year – was a lot of wasted effort, yeah. unfortunately. But there's no other threshold to qualify candidates, yeah. so I think it's what you have to do. See, we could keep going. We, we could. could go for another hour, couldn't we? We could. We could. Yeah. Well, yeah, let, but let's not. No, I we'll, agree. You we'll, need rest. I do. I got to go to bed. <laughs> we'll save it for later. Uh, Jenny Wilson, thanks so much uh, for being here. That's it for the Let's Go Eat show this time. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring the drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.